I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. No, you got to throw up the W's. Oh, I can't forget it. What, what? We're throwing out Black Panther. I'm just like, that. that's Black, Black Power. Like, Wu-Tang is now <laughs> being taken away <laughs> from Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gang sign you in, bitch, throw it up. Damn it, throw it up. So, y'all know how we're doing on The Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So y'all hear the Wu-Tang Clan over here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little Miss Interruption. I apologize. The, the Black Nerdist. The original yes. L Boogie. The original L Boogie. <laughs> Lisa Lisa. The, the first Jam. and only Lisa Lisa. <laughs> Before that other Lisa Lisa came through right. and messed it up. Speaking of which, shout out to Lisa Lisa because, okay, here's a, here's a short little story. What happened? You can put it on the floor. So, again. y'all, those of you who know me know I used to dance on American Bandstand back right. in the day. So, when Lisa Lisa and Colt Jam first came on American Bandstand, if you go mm-hmm. look at the tapes, I'm standing behind them. I got my white blazer. <laughs> I got my bandana. I got the y'all. boots. She I was behind. Fitted. And she had those two, Colt Jam was her two dancers. Right. She was dancing and they did these backflips and Lisa Lisa stepped back and stepped on my foot. Really? So if you look at the tapes <laughs> and if you go real close up on my eyes, you will actually see water in my eyes because that shit hurt. <laughs> and we was taping live and Dick Clark was looking at me mm-hmm. like, you better keep it moving, bitch. You, you, almost, moving. Pushed, you almost pushed <laughs> her in the back, didn't you? <laughs> it hurts so bad. Oh my God, those are the days. But hey, can I, can I make a confession real quick before oh we introduce our guest yes. who I'm excited to have? <clears throat> I'm excited to have you on here. Oh, Thank you. But listen, mm-hmm. so last episode, y'all heard me tell you about the new posters that came out, right, for the Black Panther movie? Right, right. I may have to switch teams. Well, what? Um, I want to apologize to King T'Challa, <laughs> but <clears throat> Eric Killmonger okay. is looking real nice. Right. And as you always know, the bad guy, the villain, always has their own hero narrative arc. Right. Okay? So every villain could be a hero in his own story. But I'm really feeling like I might be team Killmonger. Who you mean, Michael B. Jordan? Uh, yes. <laughs> With that bad hair you got, uh huh. Bad oh, hair. Horrible. Y'all, Awful. Talisha. Yes. Okay, uh, you seen? You seen? Do you agree? Is it just me? You've seen the trailer. I have seen the trailer. What do you think about he his hair? He can't be bald. I I think it's blackness come alive. Okay. Yeah. It's cool. oh, I'll give it's it that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'll give sure. it that for certain. Yeah. What do you not like about his hair? It just looks It looks fake. like a wig to me. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't look real. It looks kind of like the hair that um, Idris Elba has on that gorilla <laughs> show where it's like, that's not real. That's not real. No, it does not look as bad as <laughs> Luke Cage. Oh, 
prison hair. Right. <laughs> 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 Where? I, I, where's your CG no, budget? I need a CG budget <laughs> to do I afro. Go, I need to I go talk to the hairstylists. CG budget. And talk to them about doing some really good black hair, historical black hair. So uh, you're not going to uh, 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 talk about All they need to do is contact Pixar. Pixar. Pixar got the hair down. Pixar got the hair. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a hot mess. Why Watch we, your mouth. Chris and I were watching the UFC fights the other day, mm. right? So mm. why were we talking about, we were talking about Stranger Things. Mm. We were like. The little boy. What? Listen. It must be a, Listen. It must be a set full of white folks. Ain't no black people doing hair. <laughs> and I'm like, don't his mom come dear, to the set? Dear black she people. She don't put no lip dear, on his Listen, lips? listen. Dear black people. When no you get hired. Listen. 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 When it you might, get it might be his manager only. Yeah. When you get hired on the show. It might be, might be black. You can hire me and, and, and Lauren. <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> hey, shout out to Lauren in Toronto. You can hire me and Lauren Warren. Mm-hmm. We will come and be your black set coordinator. <laughs> For blackness There should be that shit We will look at you And tell you right. Does that hair texture Look real <laughs> Are your lips Cracked and ashy <laughs> Do you need lotion Okay I'm gonna tell you something You know Are your you pants too really tight really funny I'm gonna tell you Something really really funny Is your collar not popped So um <laughs> Is there uh, ash not lined, Is there bro. ash Is, is your hair lined? not lined up Right right Is there ash On the back of your neck Come on <laughs> just a di- Come on this director What is his TV director Black guy uh, Seath Man Seath Man Oh, yeah, Seath yeah, Man. Yeah. oh I love Seath uh, Okay so Seath Man uh, we used to share an agent about 10 years ago. Talented director. And he gave us C short, the, the reason why he signed C. Yeah, wasn't it Five Heartbeats? Uh, it was like the, the thing with the dudes and they were going to go save the girlfriend. It was like a domestic abuse thing. But yeah. It, it was called Five Heartbeats. I can't remember what it was called. But that's yeah. what it was. Five Breaths, I think. But, but yeah, Five, yeah, five right. Deep Breaths. I think Five Deep Breaths, maybe right. that's what it's called. But in the credits mm-hmm. sequence, there is a credit on there that says Minister of Culture. Huh. In the credits, you may hire me because mm. that is really? you know like Professor Griff. Yes. Right? Right. I was like because he he because he needed someone. Look, I would be your female. female like a hype man. Some shit. I would well, be not saying that, but I'm saying they're just saying like right. you know what, cut your hair right, get the line, do do all that kind of stuff. So yeah. when you're on camera, I will come dressed as the S1Ws from Public Enemy, the security <laughs> of the first world of blackness. You just need somebody to say. Yeah, I will come. Boy. We will. I will come. <laughs> and the, I will wear the military fatigues and come right up and let you know. Do your black people look like real black people that would, would be, you know, that can walk around and have some pride walking right. around. So some of these black stuff, I'd be looking at like, man, y'all didn't have not one well, black see, person. See, see, and not one black it's, person it's, on the crew not said nothing. It's, 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 it's not interesting to say that about things because the thing about Sandra things, again, think about it, this is in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's like he's not even wearing any kind of, like black kids, he's he, he not even wearing the kind of clothing that black kids wore in the suburbs. Or any, you know, like he didn't have any kind of like Michael Jackson type of jacket on. You talking about Stranger Things? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like, like nothing. That is true. It's like a bad kind true. of like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're, just, they're very plain. They're all of them. They didn't know. Plain. And I'm telling you from growing up in the suburbs, right. Black kids wore the stuff that everyone yes. was wearing in, yes. the, in the in the in the streets because that's what because because you saw it on MTV. You, know, right. oh, you, you need to have wear. some bandanas, you know, on your neck, on your jeans. You know, like right. Coca Cola. <laughs> yes, you need to have a Coca Cola right. like sweatshirt. Where's your members right. only jacket? I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, right? Because that's Which, like where's your pleather, me? Michael Jackson? Right. Yes. yes. What I want to know is, bitch, 
Where is Jared Carroll at? That's all I'm, I'm not saying. saying. <laughs> I'm saying. He should at least have a wave or some Listen, shit. You know and where is Stranger Things? Stranger Things. TCB in this area, some jacks. Something. Is it on the East Coast or West Coast? Where is it supposed to be taking Because if it's West Coast, it's going to be a California girl. It's Midwest. What is it? It feels like it's Midwest. It feels like it's Midwest. Then it needs to be a not a Jerry Curl, a California girl. Something, bitch. Willie Morrow, San Diego, California. It should be shiny. That's all I'm saying. And a little drippy. He should have, like, when we go in his room, when we look at the pillowcase, there needs to be, like, a line of grease. No, it's not. From coming to America bad. That's not coming to America you make, bad. You want to make it real? I'm just saying it's not that bad. No. If you want to make it real? No, I don't want to make it real. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. There's some things called a little real. Tell us there's supposed to be metaphors of reality. Y'all doing extra right now. So... I apologize. If you guys Alicia. are grown, <laughs> quite all right. <laughs> if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get it in. So, <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. Talisha Rags, everybody. Hello, writer, producer herself. Mm-hmm. I am Little Miss Braid Dreadlock herself. Uh, I got yes. you. I got my Senegalese twist going on. Oh, she got the right Senegalese here. on today. Yes, it's very and specific. it's shiny too. She and took shiny. care of her shit. That's right. Yes, I got <laughs> the spray and everything. Yes, okay. <laughs> See, it's those little details like that. Mm-hmm. That when you have black people, mm-hmm. you gotta have that little detail. <laughs> you do, you do. So welcome to the show, Mama. Why? Thank you. So, tell the kids a little bit about who you are, how you got into the game, how you got to this point. Uh, thank well, you. That was really I mean, interesting. If, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, which version do you want? Do I you want the real. You want the real I version because we'll be here all night. I want the um, real, real. But I will give you the abbreviated one hour version. Okay, let's um, get it. Or uh, so for so when. Um, so I am originally from Gary, Indiana. Okay. Um, Michael is, Jackson. Uh-huh. Yes. Because Michael Jackson. Jackson. Which, you know, it's so funny what, because whenever you know, I, I the race of the people is straight down the middle. Whenever I tell white people, it's always the music man, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, (laughs) Gary, Indiana. Whenever I tell black people, it's always like the Jacksons. Oh, Michael and Jackson and Jackson. Mm -hmm. I mean, she one of their cousins, which Uh with the exception of some diehard white Michael Jackson fans who have who have broken the mold, Mm -hmm. you know, because never no nothing is ever 100 Mm percent. But I have never from a black person ever gotten the music man. That's always (laughs) his name again. Preston. who played the music man? Wasn't it last name is Preston? First name is Preston. From the from the brother in the movie. Oh, I never saw it. To right. tell you the truth, I never watched either. I'm not a musical person. I apologize. <laughs> the only musicals I watched was I Danny should know Cat. better too. Like, I don't you should know, know better. <laughs> <laughs> I love musicals, but that was just a little too far he was, back. From you me. know what? He he was later in. I tried to interrupt, but he was later in. Um, <clears throat> Victor Victoria. Oh, oh really? uh, Preston. His name is his first name. I said is Preston. Anyway, it'll come. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. No. Well. Okay. So go ahead, we do Mom. happen to have um, the all the knower of all you know things devices. In I, I'm pulling the bitch to, up now. Look, go on ahead. But um, <laughs> I, yeah. So I I grew up in Gary, Indiana. My dad was a radio jock, so he mm-hmm. worked in Chicago. My What's my dad's family. What's his DJ name? Uh, his DJ name was the Ragman. Mm-hmm. So that was his uh, his moniker. He still goes by it to this day. Um, because he is still on the radio. Nice. He's on. He does his uh, dusty dance parties. I think uh, Saturday night. Um, a dusty, dusty dance party. What's he playing? What's it music? What is he playing? Uh, well, you know, <clears> like <throat> old school soul funk with the light broken in the basement. <laughs> two fingers on the waist. Chris. Not quite quiet Robert storm, Preston. but like classic. Robert oh Preston. man. That's well, so cool. not not quite quiet storm because you know it's supposed to get get you up and dancing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he also does uh, blues shows. Um, depending on the time period, he's or the time. 
um, slot that they have him in that week. Okay. Um, so it really sort of depends mm-hmm. on that. But he is on uh, uh, 106.3 Soul in Chicago. <laughs> Shout out to my dad. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You got to do the voice. You got to do the voice. Gotta, I just got an image of that. You're like, 106B Soul. <laughs> she was just a little kid with her feet just rocking left. Oh, yeah. Yo, oh, yeah. You know, I'd be in the studio, mm-hmm. you know, with my, you know, playing with the track. You know, they uh, 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 carts. They call them carts, right. you know. I right. think they still have them or is it everything digital now? Um, but no, they do still have some carts because um, everybody uh, sort of um, has a little leeway to do what they want on right. their shows. But oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Sometimes I would be in the in the studio and he would have uh, me and my sister and brother answering the hotline. OK. You really? know, and getting the names of the people. <laughs> so six can, 106 put hotline. The, put, put the, put <laughs> the dedications, okay. put the dedications exactly. and stuff on the air back exactly. when I was a little girl. Oh, he's worked at a lot of stations, though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. So over the years. You know, um, he's worked on, you know, quite quite, quite a few of them. I'm, and it's always entertaining to listen to him because, I mean, he does his whole uh, Jim Rags, Ragman on 106 Soul. Yeah. I mean, you know, his whole Wolfman Jack kind of right, thing is right, always right. fun Wolfman and funny. Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go way back. Yeah. So I, yeah, I grew up there. I went to a visual and performing arts school okay. um, as a drama major. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really thought that I was going to. I always loved. Uh, movies and music and you know and TV and always wanted to sort of write my own thing, but I so never you, really did. You thought. do a lot of theater then. Um, yeah, we well, yeah, we did uh, theater at Emerson. I mean, mm-hmm. we all we would always have like two major shows a year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I never really thought gave any thought to actually coming out and doing something like this because at the time there was only one person who was doing anything in the mm-hmm. world. Her name was Oprah, <laughs> and I didn't look like her, so um, <laughs> so I never really you know gave any thought to anything. I mean, besides sort of the Cosby Show, that was right. the one thing, right? Um and uh this is before the 90s for y'all young motherfuckers oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for the youngins in the world. Okay. Um <clears throat> and uh I uh I was going on the engineering route. So mm. I had uh, applied to the Air Force and Naval Academy oh, and got smart. In. Look at this bitch. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and my senior year of high school, I did a bridging year program at a place called Clarkson University. It's called uh, the Clarkson School, where you do your senior year of high school and your freshman year of college at the same time. Okay. And it was an engineering wow. school. Um, I was just trying to get away from home. I was just like, I want to be free. Right. Um, so if you're going to be send your child someplace to be free, you can send them to Potsdam because there's nothing happening there. I mean, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Damn. You can is pluck it rural? them there. Is it rural? There? It is very rural. Okay. And uh, with the only thing that's there are schools, which is oh. Clarkson University and then SUNY Potsdam and right. then everything around it is nothing but trees and corn. Okay. Um, so you can rest assured that if you send your child to the Clarkson School or <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything into either school in Potsdam, they will come back, you know, a fully functioning human being without any addictions <laughs> or or any personality to tell you Damn. the truth. Because I mean, you know, I mean, there is absolutely nothing to do wow. there. Um, but that's so, when people get into dangerous shit. They gotta right, start math making. They gotta start making shit up. They well, no, do. you just do end up doing homework. I mean, all the time. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's fun to do? Oh, well, homework. I guess <laughs> right. I could do that. That's something interesting. <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, so I I did that, and one of uh one of the classes that I was in um was a writing class, and uh, I would write the stuff, and the teacher would encourage me. Is like, you know, you should really think about doing this stuff for a living. Hmm. So I was like, uh, no, I'm going to the academies. You know, my favorite my favorite word in the English language uh, aka my favorite four letter word is free 
So, um, you know, I look at trying to get things as close to free as possible. So when it came to my college education, I was looking at free. You know, the Air Force and Naval Academy are both free. Free? So it was, you know, it was, that's where I'm going Mm because it's free. Um, But he encouraged me to do that. And I was like, well... I know what I'll do. I'll apply to the best film school in the country, which at the time was USC. Mm -hmm. USC is USC and NYU are still, you know, number one, number two. They battle back and forth, respectively. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll apply to the number one film school in the country. If it's my destiny, I'll get in. If not, I'll go to the academies and I'll be happy because I won't have a you know student loan right. saddle on my back or whatever. Right. Um, saddle and yeah, well, bricks, saddle, okay. bricks, click, horse. Click. I mean, you know. Um, and I got in, okay. and uh, and then I changed my plans and ended up going to USC Film School mm-hmm. uh, for four years, um, and then. Um, I got Did you out. go there for writing? Did you end up doing the whole? Actually, film? I I was an undergrad, so I went there for production. Okay. Uh, because at the time, at the time, the only thing they had was uh, production, but they did have a BFA program in screenwriting. But at the mm-hmm. time, you know, I was I was kind of I will admit that I was kind of lazy, you know. <laughs> and even though I would sort of write things on my own, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be a producer because right. you know I was like I know what I'll do. I'll read people's writing because mm-hmm. I always gave great notes mm-hmm. and I'll give them notes and I'll produce the stuff. So then that way I can be involved in writing, right. but then I don't actually have to write. Because you know, you know what? This is, this is a woman with a plan. Yes. Okay? Yes. But you know, because writing is very uh when you're doing it right, mm-hmm. it is extremely hard because um in order to do anything that is good, if it's going to be just good at all. You have to put yourself in the writing, right. and if you're putting yourself in the writing, yep. it's painful. Yes. you know. So y'all hear that? Why do I want to? Yeah. Why do I want to <laughs> subject myself yeah. to pain if I don't have to? Right. I know what I'll do. I'll latch on to somebody else's pain and ride that train to right. fame and fortune. Right. Um, but you know, but the urge had always been in me, and the burning desire had always been there, and I was sort of turning away from it because it was scary, and it was it, it was hard to do because. Um, it was scary to access those emotions. Mm. Um, mm. But at mm. some point, it was like, you know, are you going to do what you know you need to do or are you just going to sort of fake it, you mm. know, being out here? So, you know, there was a point where I was just like, you know what, I got to start writing because I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And when I got out of film school, um, I proceeded to do a whole lot of nothing because <laughs> I could not get a job to save my life. Right. And I kept trying to get on the path to become a producer. Mm. You know, I kept trying to become producer's assistant. I kept trying to become creative executive. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept trying to become a development executive. I kept, I kept trying. Were you, were you, were you focused on TV still then, or were you? And they weren't letting was, people do that. It was just, it was either or. It was, you know, everything back then right. was film. This was mm-hmm. before pre-golden age of right, TV. Right. Um, so everything was film. And, and it's funny how um, there's destiny and then there's free will. And I believe sort of in a combination of both. <laughs> I, I like do. That. I, I like believe that. that we are destined to do certain things, right. but we have the free will to choose it or not. Okay. And if we don't choose it, We'll just continue to go back in a circle and hit our head on on a brick wall, and then that opportunity will come up again. Right. Are you going to choose it this time? Right. No. Okay. Well, then you're going to go back in a circle, and you have the free will to choose it, and you're not doing it, and you're not doing what you're yeah. supposed to do. Yeah. And then that opportunity will come up again. 
Will you choose it this time? <laughs> yes. And then you choose it and then Things you come and, in then threes, you, and then you 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 go on your destined path. Well, that's an interesting point you bring that up because a lot of times I think you made an interesting point. People are afraid people are afraid to write for a lot of reasons. Um, particularly if you read a lot. See, I think a lot of times if you read a lot then you and you recognize really strong writing. Right. And then it takes a minute for you to even like then be able to kind of like reverse engineer why the mm-hmm. writing is good. Mm-hmm. And then once you figure that out, you're like, oh, I don't want to do that shit. That's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hey, hard. mind your business. Exactly. Mind <laughs> your but, business. Stop telling people's business out but, there. <laughs> but you make a good point about, you know, I, I think in that time when you're like, you're if you're on that treadmill, that circular treadmill coming around, you know, how many times are you going to let it come around where you can say, I'm going to jump on this now. Right. And then, yeah. you know, it becomes now it's this place where it's like this circle takes you to this circle and then to this circle and then this circle, you know, so you just keep moving up and staying on the circles. That's an interesting point. I, the I, interesting yeah. thing about the circles is sometimes those circles take years to circle yes, back they around do. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, they years? do. Years? How about decades? Had, no, but I'm just How about decades? I had to learn. Decades. Right. I, and I had <laughs> to learn the hard way because it was, uh, it was a little over 10 years before I got my big break. Okay, wait. Say that again. A little over 10 years to become an overnight sensation. And it wasn't even an overnight sensation. <laughs> it, was a, it was a break and then there was another break. <laughs> it was a break and then after that show ended, well, there was another you know, long right. period of time till the next break right. came. Um, but the point is, is that um, I, I had the path that I knew I wanted to be on. And then I had the path that I knew that I should be on. Mm-hmm. And they were not in, you know, in conjunction sync. in sync right, with right. each other. Right. Uh, because <laughs> I, I will admit, I will completely admit, you know, I was hard headed. Now, some of it is, you know, there are factors in this industry that keep certain people out of certain things. No, um, there are not. You know, I, I, I hate to break it to you. There's one or two things that, you know. Um, and was I a victim of that? I, I, I hate to say that because I've been in, I mean, sure, you can say that, mm-hmm. but I will say that I've been in situations with executives that I've known and I've seen how they hire people Mm -hmm. and and it took me i was like i get it i can't exactly call it racism but i see what they're doing now people in executives people in power positions who make it to a position and then it's time to hire an an assistant Mm -hmm. i see what they're doing they're hiring people who remind them of them you hear that kid you know they remind they're hiring people (laughs) that remind them of them because they're like oh when i was coming up you know, I did this and I did that, and they remind me of me, and I want to give them that well, shock see, that I never had. Well, see, look, that's a line you hear all the time from the people. Like, I remember when Colin Trevorrow was, like, getting his, his pub after uh, uh, Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. There was this whole statement in Wired about the thing where, uh, where Brad Bird was like, he reminds me of me. He reminds yeah. me of me, so right. let me just bring him in and, right. you know, and then the rest is what it is. And right. That, and, and, and that, yeah, I don't know if that's racism. That's just... Uh, 
But it not but it looking explains, outside the box, you know, because yeah. these same, yeah. these not, same not people, seeing yourself and you other folks that don't right. have to look like you. Exactly. Because and, and you're exactly right, mm-hmm. because all of these white movies, you mm-hmm. know, and TV shows that would come out and black people would watch, you know, we could see ourselves in those characters. Right. But then when you say, OK, well, how about, you know, in, you know, uh, a few years ago, not not even that long ago. You know, you say, okay, well, how about we have some black movies with black heroes, mm-hmm. and, you know, and black villains, and other or people of other colors, you know, Latinos or Asians, and then the argument from the other side was, oh, nobody will go see it. <laughs> well, in their mind, why will no one go see it? <laughs> oh, well, because they oh, well, like they me. won't, they <laughs> would, they would never see themselves in right. in those type of people, and Ooh, that is been untrue. doing it well, since completely since, since film and literature has existed. We have always done that. They can, yeah. rela- they can <laughs> well, relate to hip hop, okay. but they can't relate yeah. to a movie. Well, right, no, right. no, no, no. But see, I mean, look, I, I, look, the, the rationale behind that is, uh. And it has to go to the white supremacy thing. I'm on the top. Why would I like see myself in a position of you know that's lesser? Mm-hmm. That's so you know that's what real. I can't. I mean, like that in itself. And, you know, there's something that we might not have been thinking a lot, but age of Trump, we have to say this now because that I I, I think totally this is what it is is they can't see themselves in a position of being in a in a lesser position. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like it's not lesser if you if you look at everybody as human. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, thank but you. right. And now, not only that, and not only that human. is not le- lesser. If you look at the numbers, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're talking the '90s and '80s. I mean, it, even sort of black exploitation films when they right. came out in the, the '70s, '70s. You know, it wasn't just black people going to see those. Oh, trust oh, yeah. all drive those in, movies everybody made money. money yeah. You know, and Quentin Tarantino proved that white people loved black movies. Yes, right. loved exactly. black movies. Exactly. <laughs> and in you know, and in the '90s, I mean, look at. Freaking Eddie Murphy. I mean, coming to America, black people weren't the only ones that were going to see that. It was just the executives, the very old school executives who were the people who had the power to green light mm-hmm. at the time. That was their thinking. Right. Because then, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s. Well, I feel like I'm a church. I'm like, well. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> you had to show. And then as those uh, people get moved out, as the mm-hmm. new guard comes and and moves in and they're saying oh well those old school type of movies aren't selling anymore we have to find the next green product we have to find the the next um, we have to find the next uh, batch of films to mine that will make us a profit because at the end of the day it's all about green Mm -hmm. and even though you know there was a whole period where just nothing was happening with minorities and movies or anything at all, right. I was like, that can't stand. Because there will come, a t- I mean, look at freaking Oprah. There will come a time when all the stories that can be written by, you know, straight white men will have been written and will have been <laughs> rewritten and rewritten using the same, come on now. you know, things all from right. that right. culture. All, all these, re- all these remakes. Is new. Let me take my shoes. Listen, nothing is new and boring. And it's boring and you and there's nothing that's surprising about that because you've seen it so many times that, you know, I, mean, I won't say it's boring. I mean, the, they're often no, they're very boring. good. <laughs> they're boring. <laughs> they're often very good movies and very good TV. TV shows, however, but their time has passed. But I won't say their time has passed, but I will say our time is now, and Mm -hmm. I don't mean just you know black. I mean Latino. I mean also Asian because they are just see. See this, you a really interesting point. Just remind me of something that I think that is. There's always something really fucked up when um, people 
they there's an accusation of say doing stunt casting mm-hmm. where you're casting someone that might have been a, a written as a white role as a white role mm-hmm. and you're casting somebody black. <laughs> I do not think enough people know that Beverly Hills Cop was w- written for a white right. guy. It was written for uh, Stallone. It was, it was set to star Stallone, and it only worked out the way it did because Al Pacino wanted to do Scarface. Mm. And it wouldn't have been the same movie with Stallone. And, and, and I don't. And, and I don't. And it wouldn't have been the same. I don't even think. I can't even see the point, sisters. Popular. I don't think the movie would Soundtrack have been as popular with Sylvester Stallone because exactly. if you think about that movie, the reason that movie works is because uh, Eddie Murphy is a total opposite. Right. You know, you don't. You can look at. You see Stallone and you see him as you know the tough strong guy from Rambo and mm-hmm. from Rocky, you know, but it's not too big of a leap to think that he could fit in with a Beverly Hills cop right. and then solve right. Beverly Hills right. crime. Right. Right. Or right. the right. cops from Beverly Hills right. Right. might not He's, necessarily believe him. a cop from Detroit. He doesn't right. have to speak, you know, look, look, he doesn't have to open his mouth and he can walk into Victor Maitland's office. Right. But Axel Foley is a black guy walks yeah. into Victor Maitland's office yeah. I like to speak to Victor and they throw, right. the damn, the th- <laughs> they throw him out the damn window. Because right. like, because because yeah, like Negro, okay. he doesn't to be up in here. Right. So exactly. roll, roll, roll. Exactly. No, I, I mean, look, 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 look. I mean, like, I think that. I mean, that's just a classic example of like you. But I brought that up because you had said people don't see themselves in other people. Mm-hmm. But it took uh, I forget the director's name who did that. But uh, Martin Press, it like he just said. He had the he he had the vision to say I can see Axel Foley as a black guy, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be even cooler. Especially that know, name, to Axel. Make it work. Right, <laughs> right. Well, think about it. Absolutely. Who Absolutely. else do we know? His name is Axel. <laughs> Axel Rose right. is the only other person yeah, we know. True, true. Yeah, but then also, you know, you had Trading Places. I mean, mm-hmm. Trading right. Places was a huge uh, mm-hmm. was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for Eddie Murphy and Dan yeah, yeah, Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, before then. They needed another Eddie Murphy project, and it's like you know, well, why you know, why not? And I and that movie works. One of the re- I mean, it's a good script and it's a good movie. But one of the reasons that I mean, it just it is so fantastic is because Eddie Murphy he brings he yeah. he brings right. it something that's so very um, opposite, so very unexpected to what you would try to pair with a Beverly Hills cop. I mean, you're just like, this is never going to work. Tag and Rosewood so, don't Exactly. They, they don't so work. the journey for Axel Foley to become believable, for these guys to take Axel Foley, you know, um, as seriously, someone seri- seriously. seriously, the journey for that is much more satisfying because he's so far from anything that you would expect to be a Beverly Hills cop. And the things that he, you know, and and then not only that, but then these guys are so, the reason that um, the drugs were going through, you know, Beverly Hills is because these Beverly Hills cops knew nothing about what street people were doing. Right. And so they were able to get stuff by these people because you know, they had no idea how uh, how the coffee they, they, exactly, the, the coffee in the in the in the, in the art exactly. thing. That's y'all don't know about that shit. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the fingerprints and the super glue, right. you yeah. know, sort of thing. Um, which you know, police departments have been using before. But I mean, the 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 whole premise being that these Beverly Hills cops they never have to solve any right. major crime, true crime, so right. crime, so they never have to really you know look at any of these techniques in solving crime. Whereas the Detroit cop. He does, right. and he's in Detroit, mm-hmm. and he's a brother, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that you know, 
you you gets easily kicked out of Beverly Hills location. I can't even <laughs> see Stallone <laughs> hanging so, I mean, on it that. A, it would be a completely different. Right. It would be right. a completely like, different movie. Like that scene in the beginning, though, how he how it'd have been a drama. First of all, how, <laughs> right? yeah. he's in the damn um uh uh, uh the cigarette truck in the beginning. Right. I can't see Stallone like hanging on to that thing when it's moving. <laughs> I just can't see that. But no, that's man. why that movie works the way it is. But but you're right. I, I mean, I'm gonna borrow that up because it's like you, your whole statement about. These executives weren't seeing you, and mm-hmm. you were seeing how they not. They they. You have to make the leap. It's to me something that bothers me so much about this industry is so many people who are those executives in power. So many of them, not all of them, a lot of them just don't have the ima- they, they don't have the imagination, imagination to see farther than what right. is right there on the page. Well, because, but also too in um in Hollywood, um you keep your job by saying no, right. You know, it's your keep, job to your, say with, no. With, you keep your job by saying no. You know, to go out on a limb for something um, and then be wrong. You know, it's kind of how you lose your job. So if I'm just if I'm an executive who's just trying to move up in the world, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I might I'm just fuck up. I'm not. I don't want to screw up. You know, just and so I'm just gonna do enough <laughs> right. just to keep my job. Right. And if I you know say no and yeah, I'm gonna pass on this because it has this kind of person in. It. I'm gonna mm-hmm. pass on this because it has this kind of person in mm-hmm. it. You know. But what has happened is, I mean, first of all, the movie business has changed. But before the movie business has changed or changed, and we started getting more movies and more indies with not just black but Latino. I mean, like. Uh, um, Real women have curves. I mean, right. you know, like something mm. like that, right. where you're looking. You're every story is relatable. I mean, there's just like there's like seven stories, right? Mm-hmm. But the reason that real women have curves succeeded and was so fantastic is because it um, it was a movie about universal themes, everything everyone else goes through, but it was. It came out of right. a different culture, something mm-hmm. that we had never seen Netherlands, before. Yeah. What's that, and like America Ferrara in that? Yeah, so good in it. We'd too. never yeah. seen before. I think Effie um, Brown was producing that. Shout out to Effie Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah so. Exactly. It's so like like the type type of grandmothers. I mean, we all had those grandmothers, right. but to see those grandmothers saying these sayings, which were mm-hmm. hysterical, mm-hmm. you know, comes out of this culture, you know. And as a white man, um, you're not. Going to get that because you do, you don't don't you don't know that you didn't grow up in that mm. and maybe you can interview Latinos or whatever and maybe get a sense of their culture. I'm not saying that um, someone who does not live in a culture or whatever cannot write a no. good authentic no. project. That's not true. <laughs> However, you know, it's probably easier to find someone in that particular culture to write something good faster than you know, than anyone else outside of that culture because mm. the person that's in it knows what to mine uh, and they know which questions to ask <laughs> and they know, you know, and then they sort of know how to sort of pattern the story as opposed to the other person who really does need to do a lot of research right. and then sort of absorb it in order to say, okay, how am I going to translate this into um, into a script and have it be authentic? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it, it's not saying it can't happen because, of course, it can, but, you know, but it will probably take a lot longer. Yeah. And, you know, and why not use the people who are already there and oh who God. already, you know, and who can already you say know that, the story? Can you say that one more again? <laughs> say that one more again. Use the people that are already there. Well, you know, or it's, you know, it's the, the thing about do... Also, it's like, what do you feel 
you know, if it's not your culture, do you know how far to go? Like, True, it's very, exactly. It's very interesting. Especially in comedy. Yeah, well, do you know how far to go? You know, do you know how to, you know, drive back? I mean, because African-American culture... I mean, I, it, we happen to be a little bigger with our expressions, right? You know, a louder. Um, and we we're a little louder, and we laugh a little, a little bigger, louder, a little, just a little, little louder. Just a little, just a little. You know, um, I would say exponentially, oftentimes, but <laughs> <laughs> oftentimes, you know, we are, you know, we're put down because of that. But it's like, you know what? Oh why, yeah, why be you put can't down laugh like that like, at the job? Look, <laughs> this is. You know, this is our culture. This is what we came from. Why is it wrong? Right. It, but it's wrong to certain people because it doesn't fit in their sort of, you know, it doesn't fit in their sort of box. And so it just sort of gets deemed as, oh, loud and unattractive or what or what not. Right. You know, um, so then someone coming from that area to write something for us or, you know, film us or whatever, won't exactly know to say, okay, oh, no, you know what? That's too big or that's not big enough or, you know, how am I going to keep this funny without being, you know, without moving over into a stereotypical right. type yeah. of coon right. situation, right. you know? So, well, yeah, because the coon situation is what white people are more accustomed to seeing black people behave in. Right. Um, and then black people are like, you know what? That's like 10% too much. So if you just ran yeah. it back, then it wouldn't be, but you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, it, it's like there was a, um, you know, I was watching the Spielberg documentary, mm-hmm. you know, which is really, really so good. good isn't it? Really, really good. Mm-hmm. But it's a really great point mm-hmm. when Kathleen Kennedy is talking about when he did Color Purple. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he just wouldn't go as far as what was in the book. He just, it just wasn't in there for him mm-hmm. to get what was in there. You know, mm-hmm. she just was like, you know, when we really, you know, like her and Quincy, like kind of wanted it to be more. It just wasn't him, and that's what I mean. It's like, like you don't really know how far to go. Maybe it's right. like, maybe it's not in you to want to go that far, right. because it's too foreign for you to feel comfortable with. Well, I know? thought I read or heard somewhere in the last ten years, he actually said it's the one movie he almost thinks he somebody black should have directed. <laughs> yeah, you think? I thought I heard it, read it somewhere. Yeah, is that what, true? That someone black should have directed. Like, like that's like oh of all God. the movies he done, like that's the one movie he feels like somebody. I thought I read. I don't. It. Well, you know what? I mean, I, like I remember maybe. at the time because I think I was maybe nine or ten, and I remember the controversy mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. We saying, why is Spielberg directing this movie? Right. He's making it too pretty, and this, and this, and that, and that, and this, and this, and that, and that. Well, but as a kid. Who, I love who the then movie. saw sorry. the movie? Right. I was like, I don't know. I mean, now, tr- now, granted, I was a child, and my, you know, my point of view was, you know, a little different. I was, I didn't go through the experiences of my mother and my father right. who grew up in civil rights, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but as a kid who was watching that, and as a kid who read the book, I'm, you know, I'm watching it. I'm in tears, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm completely enjoying the movie. And even today, to this day, I can watch that movie. And say, you know, that is a, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's one of my period. top five, personally. It's, you know, it's, hands down. It. Oh, wait, hold, I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to, I just want to just sort of this. But yeah. And so I think that probably some of that was because of the pushback that he got during that day because they wanted someone like a Gordon Parks right. or something, you know, someone who, who was African-American yeah. to direct that. And true, Gordon Parks would have probably made a wonderful movie. Um, but Steven Spielberg, um, having his name on the movie, got to be real was about that. The was the reason got that made. movie got made. Okay, it got yeah. made because his name was yep. on the mm-hmm. movie, and it got seen by people yep. because his name was on the movie. This is the biggest director in the, the world. world. 
who especially who, at that time exa- yep. especially <laughs> yes. at that time right. where who who had a spotlight on him right. and he was like I want to put a spotlight on this story right. and where you know and like I said Gordon Parks could have made a beautiful movie but then it would have been Sankofa you right. know I mean not necessarily Sankofa the movie but I mean but in terms of the <laughs> number of that? people no, I'm just, <laughs> no 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 I don't I don't necessarily mean you know I mean Sankofa and Halle Germany he's a wonderful filmmaker yes. that's a fantastic yes. movie yes. Yes. But I'm talking about in, terms, in yeah. terms of who saw it right. and who had careers because started of it because and of who that. started careers and that's real. off of that. That's real. You well, know? Yeah, well, see, because um, yeah, you're, this is the thing. That movie, Quincy, because I, I heard Quincy talking about this maybe 15 years ago. He was kind of like, the, the movie wouldn't have been made. Spielberg is coming off of E.T. and it was like he it, it, there's I mean that that, that movie I remember what came out and my mom was like yeah I see this movie because she read the book and I was like I think 10 or something like that and I was like and it's a heartbreaking movie mm-hmm. very much you so. know and you know and then later I read the book and I was like he has the essence of the book in the movie yeah, so, absolutely but I you know there's certain scenes that are different but right. I'm, but I'm kind of like again you can't do a book. You, you, you have no. to make those choices. Yes, yes. absolutely. And I, and I feel like what he did is like that movie, compared to a whole lot of films at that time that came out that might have come out, don't stand up the same way. Right. You know? and exactly. I, and and uh, I mean, it's just interesting. It's interesting to see who would have done it. I mean, is Oprah around? Is Whoopi around? Maybe they are. I mean, it's... Uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Danny Glover yeah. Four yeah. Fishburne. Fishburne. Right. I mean, I mean, these people, you know, like you think about it, the cast is all different. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is different about that movie if, if she doesn't do it. And but then also, too, um, with the type of movies that were coming out back then, you know, you, he got the essence of the book, but there are just some things that you're not going to be able to dive into. This was the freaking 80s. Right. You're not going to, I mean, and at the time, you know, you're not going to dive gonna, you're into not gonna have the, the clear lesbian, story, right. Re, right. you know, relationship. Right. Um, but he he, did, glanced. he pushed he, he exactly. glanced he 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 glanced we had butterflies like we had butterflies okay. right right <laughs> we, we to the butterflies pushed, pushed it as far yeah. you know as yeah. he could go yeah. and I guarantee you that the studio was probably like can we take that out oh you and know. the only reason that it's probably in is because the name you know Spielberg right. and I was very fortunate that um my very first show that I that I got my big break on was um, a comedy starring his um, um, stepdaughter. How did that come to you? What happened? Um, oh, yeah. I know. I, I, I ended at college and right. then oh, all so of a sudden we this, got... This is why we called. He was hustling. Hold on. We I did the big break. We can come back around. This, this no, trust why, me. You, this you is why this. we're called the rant room. Okay, okay, okay. We go off on rant. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, wait. I got to get back to, you know... So, it basically was 10 years... Um, but let me tell the Spielberg story, and then okay. I'll go back to saying how I got no that problem. gig. But anyway, it was his uh, uh, stepdaughter, uh, um, Jessica Capshaw. It mm-hmm. was a comedy written by Paula Pell. It was called uh, Thick and Thin. It was on NBC. It was supposed to be on NBC. Um, it never made it to air. Um, uh, the 13 episode order got cut to six episodes, uh. and the show never made it to air. Like I said, however, you know it was a multicam that was shot at Universal, and Amblin happens to be at Universal. Okay. Um, so he and his wife would come and support um, support. Jessica by just sort of hanging out on the stage, and I was just like, "Oh my God, there's Steven Spielberg! There's Steven Spielberg! I get, oh my God, I could like, dude, should I talk to him? Oh my yeah, God, yeah. you know, like all the other writers during the other taping days, they would talk to him. I'm like, 
they're like, why don't you just go talk to him? I'm like, but I'm skirt. I'm, I'm a staff writer. You know, it, he could end my career in one word. And I was like, no, he's great. Go talk to him. So on the last day um, that we were shooting, he was by himself. And I went to talk to him. And I had 15 whole 15 minutes, minutes. Whole minutes. I hear he's the Speaking with Steven Spielberg and his wife, mm-hmm. Kate Capshaw. And they were lovely. I mean, they were just, I mean, they were just absolutely lovely. You know, I told, uh, I was able to tell him about, you know, basically, I mean, he's one of the reasons that I'm in the business, mm-hmm. you know, because when I was a kid, or I'm, I'm sure you guys probably mm-hmm. um, experienced some of this. Uh, when parents should have been leaving you with a babysitter to go to the movies, <laughs> right? Yeah, and no, that wasn't happening. The right. black parents were taking their kids Listen. to the movies. Right. So tell it tons yes. of stuff that tell we the truth. Tell shouldn't have seen. Tell the yes. truth, okay. shame the devil. Because like, if they Listen. wanted to go, Listen. they, they were taking you. We didn't have no better babysitters. Shut up. Wait up. You, you, you better not talk. You better not talk in that theater. You better not talk in that theater either. Oh, I'm gonna slap you. You better eat popcorn. You better eat some bologna sandwich and shut the hell up. Uh huh. But then there were also drive-ins where you could drive in and then. You know, yep. the baby, you know, hold on, hold on. What's, 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 what's the drive? And then put the you know kids on. Shut up. Y'all know the drive? You put the baby yes, in the back seat. Yes, the back seat. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was the baby in the back seat watching JD. It's not a drive through, is it? No. Godfather. <laughs> the so the first movie I remember, I think I remember parts of The Birds, but it had to have been re released because yeah. The Birds came out after right. I was born. Um, but I remember, I explicitly remember seeing Jaws. I was mm-hmm. like two. God yes. bless you. I was that's like, some good, yes. that's some good parenting right I there. Yes. Explicitly remember yes. seeing Jaws. I was two. I was sitting on my dad's lap. Mm-hmm. Okay. And <laughs> we all was on dad's lap. I was lap. sitting on dad's <laughs> lap. And I was thoroughly engrossed in the story. And mm-hmm. I could, I got it. I was following the story. Mm-hmm. And every time the music would come on. Dun, 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. dun. Say, my dad, my dad music. would put his hands over my eyes, what? Really? and I'd be like, "Daddy, stop, stop, Daddy! I can't see, Daddy, stop! <laughs> I can't see." <laughs> Until the scary part was over, right? Except there's one part that's not telegraphed in the movie, right. and that's when you know, uh, spoiler alert, uh, oh, when. Uh, <laughs> Ben Gardner. <laughs> 40 years later. You better tell her about that. <laughs> um, when, you know, when Ben Gardner, when, when Ben Gardner's head appears, yes, right. you know, out, you know, the boat, he floats right, out of the boat. Right, like, right, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't telegraphed and yeah. I was two and I saw that and it scared mm. the bejesus out of me. I had nightmares, you know, I for the next too. week. I did too. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. And I got to tell Steven Spielberg about that story mm. and he just cracked up and Kate Capshaw was just like, oh honey she was just like she was hugging him from the side she's like oh honey like that was so cute I was like oh they're so cute together I just love them um I got to and I got to talk to him about Amistad I got to talk to him about the color purple and I specifically said I was like look you know I was a kid when the color purple came out and I know you got a lot of flack for directing Color Purple, mm-hmm. but let me tell you, for my generation, right. that is the I Ching movie. I Ching movie. Okay, it is. I mean, we all know lines to it. I mean, yeah. you told Harpo, Harpo to beat who me. This, Harpo, who this, who this woman? Okay, <laughs> Harpo, who this woman? You told Harpo to beat, beat me. me. I mean, okay, I mean, come love. on. I mean, it's like, come on. And we can do it all day long. Like, exactly. I'm like, 
was just yeah. rolling off the lines, yeah. and he was you just let him laughing. do his thing on right. you, right. Mm. and he was just laughing. He was just like, he was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was like, and for Amistad, I know you got flag on Amistad, but also know he has an African American son, and he wanted to do something, you know, for his son, you know, that sort of showed his. I believe so. Yes, and that showed, but I know if he had her at that point, I think maybe she came later. I'm not sure, but wanted to sort of do something that showed um, his or their heritage. Right. And I was like, you know, and I was like that, you know, thank you so much for that because of course, you know, that's another movie that probably wouldn't right. have been made. No, well, and you know, it, 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 it wouldn't have been made without him doing it. And again, it's, it goes back to our thing about, you know, do you have the imagination to see yourself beyond your thing? Right. Because, um, wasn't Debbie Allen the one who kind of pushed it? Not pushed De- on it, but like, but Debbie developed was one, it. And said, Debbie was one of the people who was definitely pushing that movie. And, um, and yeah, and he did it. And I mean, and at that time, I had never seen such a graphic portrayal of the middle passage. Right. And oh, that I opening mean, with the bone the bodies oversized. I, mean, I was just, I was just <laughs> crumble in the theater. I mean, when I'm watching it, I'm just like, just crumbled okay, in tears, you know, um, and I, and it, you know, just like, like, oh my God. And it's, it was very painful, but then at the, at the same time, it's like, you know what, look what we have gone through. Not look, just look what we have gone through. Look what we have overcome. Look at, you know, we have plenty of problems in our community today, but for all of the successes mm-hmm. and everybody that has, you know, had, has gotten to success after, um, um, you know, being in situations where it was basically designed, I mean, the design to kill you mm-hmm. and, and not necessarily your body because you needed to work, but certainly your spirit. Right. And our spirits were never killed. Um, it was passed down to children mm-hmm. who, you know, hopeful children, you know, who, who, who continue the fight to become better people and, you know, and to make the world a better place. You know, so, I mean, it was Chris, just a phenomenal... You're breathing all into the mic. Breathing <laughs> 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 all into the mic. <laughs> Get your headphones on. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm captivated by your story when you're talking about what's going on. Well, so he was a, it, was, it was a wonderful experience meeting him um, and meeting his wife and, and absolutely, and being on the show. I mean, it was... It was a grand, just really fantastic sort of first, you know, introduction into the above the line side right. of the business. And then after that show was over, I didn't work for another year and a half. Okay. Um, so which you, oh, sent man. me back to the dumps. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm back. You know, right. I'm I'm scraping rent together again. Mm-hmm. But okay, so how I got there um, is a very unusual story. Um, as a matter of fact, it's um, like I said, you know, I did not get an industry job. I was just looking for any industry job. And um, and I could not get an industry job to save my life. I mean, I was, you know, calling people to, to sending my resume in to be PAs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just anything and everything. And for years, I, I didn't mm-hmm. get anything. Um, and there were <laughs> interviews where I had a fantastic interview. But, um, but again, I, I, with free will... I made the wrong choice, mm. you know, um, like, for example, I mean, I, I do absolutely honestly believe I was destined to be in TV, but my mind, you know, <laughs> had trying film. film. I'm right. trying to be film. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be film. Right. And I remember I had a, an interview um, for an assistant position uh, with a company. Um, and I think it was Springs Break. Um, Spring Street. 
Street, not Street. street. Is it Street? Chris? Creek. Is... Spring Creek. Creek. Okay. Spring. 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 Oh Lord. Oh, for, Spring oh, Creek. Oh, a finance company. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh development, um, production company, um, and finance. And um, I had an I had an interview um to be an assistant to their uh, film development person, right? Um, and this was a guy, and then they were like, you know what? Our TV development person is looking for an assistant as well. So do you mind if she sits in on an interview? I'm like, no, sure, come in. And so she came into the interview, and she and I were just popping. We were rolling. I mean, we were just like joking back and forth. Mm -hmm. I mean, the chemistry between the two of us was amazing. And then she finally asked, she's like, so let me ask you, if you had a choice, and it was Amazing the okay. chemistry Don't with him. Don't tell me. Tell, okay, <laughs> the chemistry. Let me brace myself. Let me was not the best. Right. You know, I mean, but I still had given a good interview with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, "So, if you have a choice to do film or TV, <laughs> you know, if you had a choice to film to do to film or TV, which which would you do?" I was like, "Well, I can't exactly make a choice because you uh-huh. know, getting into the industry." Uh-huh. She's like, "No, no, 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 no." Yeah. If you had a choice mm-hmm. to do film or TV, listen, bitch. What would you, what, you, uh, what you do? She, I, she was like, so she what would you? She, in the middle of your excuse. She's like, right. She's like, so if she's you had trying a to choice, correct you. She's trying to help you. If you had a choice you? between to work for film or TV, which would you work for? Which would you choose? I said, um, well, if I had a choice between film and TV, I would choose work. Um, she's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Choose. Damn, third time. I'm like, well, look, I have, honest, mm-hmm. I have to be honest. I mean, you know, I look, came in here for the film interview. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, see, I'm still trying to right. work both sides. I came <laughs> in here for the film uh, assistant interview. However, you know, this interview with you had, was really great, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I, I have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm very open to working whichever uh still not answering the question I mind. mean no right. I did I did answer the question I was like I came in for the film interview so that's what I came in for so if I had to make a choice I mean that's what I came in right. for however you know what uh you came in and this was very unexpected and mm-hmm. um and if you were happy I would be happy to be here right. and she's like oh, okay great and so then I left and didn't get either job. Mm-hmm. So it was like, damn, I should have chose TV. You know? Right. It's like, ah! See, see, There's yeah. lessons in that. See, see, <sighs> she's basically giving... See, this is, a, this is something that happens in this town like quite a bit, is that... Were we not just talking about this yesterday? They Camille? have these kind <laughs> of like passive ways of trying to see what you want to do. And the, mm-hmm. the whole fact that mm-hmm. the film guy brought in the TV woman for the interview was like... This is the job we can give you. Right. Are you going to take it or are you going to, you know, because I can't, because if, if somebody really wants you, they could bring in competition to, right. to the, you know, yeah. so, so that they would fight. Because right. you were like, well, who wants me more? And, you know, you know, I mean, and that's essentially what you said, you know, like to, like to pull it all away. It's like, well, if you want me more, I'm going with you. If you want me more, I'm going with you. And she's kind of like, you need to decide. If you want the job, because I'm telling you the yeah, job. Be decisive. The job is right, right here for you. I'm putting my hand out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what Alicia I'm, said. I'm like 26. I'm, I'm 27. <laughs> I throw me the whip or throw me the idol. I didn't know. What is it? I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. So, but, but it goes back that's to a great experience. I think. Okay. I love it. I love it. But it goes back to you saying about the circle. 
Because yeah. Because I, I know this is going to come back around, like, you know, five, six years later. Hey, do you want to come back and work in TV? So yep. when was your circle? Exactly. So what was your circle that came back around? So, okay, here we go. So what ends up happening is men still many years of having every job under the sun, which I did every mm-hmm. job under the sun. <laughs> How many jobs you got, man? Everyone, like everyone. If you name it, I did it. At some point in my career, I was digging I dishes. I was, I was like, I was, like even, I was, I mean, I was painting. I was a dog walker. I was a child care worker. Mm-hmm. I worked at a group home. You know, I, I was real. a snowboarding instructor. What? I mean, now, but that job at Big Bear. I, uh, Mountain High. Okay. I was a snowboarding instructor at Mountain High, and part of that was because remember, I I like to get things as close to free as possible. So when you're <laughs> so when you're broke and you're trying to live lifestyle of the rich and famous, you know, lifestyle, mm-hmm. you got to figure out a back door to the way to get right. in in the back door because you can't exactly walk in the front because you don't have any money. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to snowboard, but I mean. Uh, uh, like freaking uh, passes <laughs> were just and your lift exactly and like that? like uh, season passes and lift tickets and and equipment Specialized and boots and, shit and, boots and, and, and I mean you're talking thousands of dollars right. and here I am making eight dollars an hour <laughs> you know uh, working as a childcare worker mm-hmm. I couldn't afford that so what did I do so I went and I took a lesson for. I think at the time it was ninety bucks. So it was a lesson and and um and the lift ticket for ninety bucks. And I learned how to do what was in the lesson well enough so that the next year came. Um, I'm teaching it. <laughs> and they were looking for instructors. <laughs> I applied to be an instructor, That's and I hustle. remember everything that that and the way the guy taught me. And then I added a couple of uh, a couple of. Uh, flourishes onto it mm-hmm. um, so that I could go audition. She finessed it. Exactly. <laughs> man, I finessed it like a mofo mm-hmm. um, so that I could go in and basically apply to be a snowboarding instructor and then they take you out on the hill and then they see your skills and they do a test class with you and that's how I got hired. So I was able to be a snowboarding instructor wow. and get a free, what would what, I say my favorite four-letter word uh, was? Free. Free. <laughs> free. So not only did I get a free season pass so that I could go and whenever snowboard yeah, anytime, yeah. whenever I wanted, but because I was technically a professional, <laughs> I was getting paid to teach these people, which, I mean, the classes were like 30, it was 30 bucks a class that I got paid for, and it was really just enough for gas and lunch, um, but... I was technically, but you get the pass. You get the free pass, right. and technically, I'm a professional because I am being paid for it. I do get a paycheck from yep. Mountain High. Yep. I could go to Burton, which is like the premier equipment company, mm-hmm. and I could say I'm a oh, professional, and then you get a seventy percent discount. Hello, hello. At wow. the time, I don't know what hello. it is now, but at the time, it was a seventy percent discount on the board and the boots wow. and the bindings, which meant. It was then affordable because it was close to free. So that, you know, I always had a side hustle. I was always hustling (laughs) somehow. It's just in our blood. If I can't get in through the front door, I'm going to go in through the side. If I can't go in through the side, I'm I'm going to go in through the back. I'm coming coming through the second floor balcony Mm -hmm. window. Just leave it cracked because I'm coming. (laughs) Um, So, you know, so I was a snowboarding instructor. I worked for uh, Debbie Allen and Norm Nixon. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working as a um, an assistant to Norm Nixon, and he was a sports agent at right. the time. Um, and then Debbie ended up opening a dance academy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, then I worked for Debbie at a dance academy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was like doing every single job 
under the freaking sun. And so I was home one day and um and meanwhile I'm I'm writing sort of I had written a TV spec because I was just so depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, and my favorite show was X-Files. Oh yeah. And I had High to five. write hey. <laughs> there you go. And uh and I had to, you know, and I don't know, and it was just a joy for me to write sort of an X-Files episode out of out of everything that I wanted to see mm-hmm. as a fan of the X-Files. But then how am I going to do it and still stay into in the um in, in the realm of what the show does? Right. You know, because you know, they tell you when you write a spec, you know, don't write a spec where the characters are going to have a baby mm-hmm. or write a spec where a character dies because you can't that's change not it too much. exactly yeah, right. because you, that's not in the realm of the show week to week. You know, the character's not going to die. The character's not going to have a baby. Right. You have to do something that would actually fit into um, um, the parameters of what they do from week to week. So, you know, I had written it just for fun because, you know, I wanted to do a funny, fun episode of The X-Files. And so I sort of had it in my back pocket. And I was like, wow, you know, I wonder if I could become, you know, sort of a... I wonder if I could become a writer on The X-Files. I wonder mm. if I could become a TV writer but I mean, just nothing was happening. I didn't. Now I'm ten years from film school, mm. and I didn't know anyone. You know, I had no contacts anymore of how you know how to get in. So all your friends ain't in wow. the business anymore. My in my friends in were in the business, but they were um, they were assistants and mm. they were staff writers, mm. um, and and so they didn't really have um, they they didn't they weren't in the position to where they could sort of hire you know exactly yeah. hire me or 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 help me get a gig <laughs> just yet because they were still getting their feet planted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of in the business. So um, I'm sitting home one day. And I'm flipping channels, depressed as fuck. Mm-hmm. And the show is on TV where it's these regular people are traveling around the world doing these awesome adventure things. And I'm like, what is that show and why am I not on it? So I was like, oh my God, that's the amazing race. Uh-huh. So I called my brother. Show. That was a great show. Yeah, I called my brother and I'm like, um, yo, I'm sending you this application. Fill it out. We're going on the show. He's like, wow. all right. So I go home, we make a tape, um, and then I send it in to uh, the Amazing Race people, and we got a call two days later to interview. Um, And we made it all the way through, and we were on the third season of the Amazing Race. That is comedy. That's why I know you. Because I I used to watch that show. Really? I used to watch that. Like the first couple of seasons I watched that, and then I just couldn't get to, you know, whatever time. But maybe that's why you seem familiar to me, because I probably well, I mean, I don't know. We didn't make it too far. Uh, we were team. Uh, we were, you know, we were team TNT. We were Talisha and Tramel team TNT. See, we were explosive. This sounds, this sounds too familiar. This sounds too familiar. <laughs> <laughs> sounds too familiar. TNT team, team team TNT. We're explosive, baby. Where'd you guys go to? Like, did you guys go to like the, the, to somewhere in the Arab countries, or you guys or, or Southeast Asia? Where'd you guys go? No, we went to Mexico. <laughs> um, which was thing, funny because in our interview, you know, they were like, so where do you want to go in the world? I was like, send me anywhere. You can send me to South America. You can send me to Antarctica. You can send me to anywhere. Just don't send me to Mexico. And wow. they were like, well, why not Mexico? I'm like, I live in LA. It's like going to Pomona. It's right there. <laughs> you know? I mean, send me something. Like, I want to use my passport. I wanna, exactly. I want to go around the world. Right. So we started the race in Miami. And then what was our next stop? Mexico. <laughs> Where were we eliminated? Mexico. Mexico. I was like, you got to be freaking kidding like me. You see, I know this. I'm, this is familiar now. This is familiar. This, did y'all brother? miss? This, did y'all miss a train or a bus or something? Did, 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 oh man! What happened? It's a it's a long. 
It's a long, sorted story as to what... uh, Well, there was... We had some production issues. There was a clue that was missing, because, you know, you have to read the clues on camera. There was a clue that was missing, and, you know, they brought us the clue, then we read it on camera. And, I mean, it was just like one thing after another thing start to compound. Oh, it's going to be on YouTube. You know what I'm watching tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is. And we were out. So And so we were... I was like, before we started the race, I was like, Lord... Just please don't let us be eliminated first. We were eliminated like, second. Okay. But wait. Yeah, exactly. But was your hustle muscle looking in terms of like looking for a job? Like, I'm on the show. Well, well. Because I know you're a hustler. Well, well. <laughs> so they send you, once you're eliminated, they send you to sort of the elimination city because mm-hmm. you, you know, you can't go back because you can't give up who win the million. If you go back, they know you didn't win the million. Right. So we were in Lisbon for about three and a half weeks until the end of the show, and uh, which they sent us then to Seattle. And then at the party, um, they have an exit interview with all the teams. I don't know if they still do this, but they did this um, during our show. Um, so during our exit interview, they were sort of asking us questions. Hmm. Um, and I was like, what? Why are, they, why are they asking us these weird questions? Do they think you're going like, to sue? Like leading I questions? I mean, like or? they were asking us questions that, um, you know, I, in my opinion, it was like they're trying to figure out whether or not you're, you're so mad that you didn't win the race that you're going to sue. And mm. and maybe they right. can gain some insight on that. And if you are, then maybe they can get ahead of it. I don't right. know. Right. But that's what it kind of seemed like, you know, um, because of the production issues that we kind of had. Um, you know, so it seemed like they were asking us, well, are you going to, you know, and I was like, what? You think we're going to sue? You know, they're like, you're not? I'm like, no. Because I never thought that we would win the million dollars. Right. But I was just trying to travel the world for free. Because <laughs> okay. remember, it's my favorite for another okay. word. I'm broke. I got right. no money. I want to travel the world, mm-hmm. but I got no money. How can I travel the world? What is this show and why am I not on it? Right. I got to get on this show because they're traveling the world for free. Right. I got to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so they were like, oh, Okay. So, um, you know, and this is going to piss off all of the actors out there, but, you know, my brother was really funny. I mean, you know, he was, I mean, we were the snarking siblings and he, and, you know, and I would set him up and he would knock him down in terms of the jokes. So, um, they're casting, they're like, one of the uh, executives was like, you know, Tramiel, we really like to introduce you to our senior executive VP of casting at what? CBS. You know, um, and he was like, nah, I'm going back home to Indiana. Damn. My friends, when they heard that, they were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I would have killed for that opportunity. He's like, eh, I'm going home to Indiana. Uh, meanwhile, they were like, well, you know, Talisha, is, uh, is there anything we can help you with? And I was like, actually, yeah, you can read my X-Files spec and tell me if it's any good. Right. And if it's not good, just tell me it's not good. Right. And I will go home and I will sell real estate and I will get wow. out of this business. You know, so the executives are like, that's it? I'm like, yeah. So one of the executives, the, he, you know, he, he took on, you know, that, uh, he, he took on that, uh, that ask. And he was like, uh, well, you know, we got to wait till the race is over. Right. Uh, that airs on TV. We got to wait until it's <laughs> over. I'm like, okay, now here I am thinking, he, they're just, you know, they're telling me anything, they're going to mm-hmm. wait till the race is over, and then they're just going to forget about right. me, you know, because then I won't have any recourse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't true. So, you know, true to his word, you know, the CBS executive, after the race was over, read my X-Files spec, and he was like, you know, 
it's actually pretty good. Okay. And uh, but unfortunately, X Files has now gone off the air. Right. So you're gonna have to write something another else. <laughs> you're gonna have to write another See? one. So <laughs> I was like, all right. So um, I got into a class at. Um, UCLA Extension. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a traitor to my Trojans, but they don't have extension. <laughs> they don't have classes. extension. They don't have USC. extension classes. Right. You know, so I took an extension class. They're missing out on money, right? And uh, I know they really are. It's elitist. Um, and um, and I wrote a CSI spec, okay. and he read it. He loved it. He passed it on to one of the co-EPs at CSI at the time. That co-EP read it and loved it and had a meeting with me, and they were like, you know, if this is not one of the, if this is not the best CSI. Spec Shut I've up. read is one, up. you know, it's certainly within the top three or four. Wow. And I was just like, wow. oh my God, you know, I, you know, I felt gratified mm-hmm. because, you know, I picked the point, it was like, you know, if I'm going to do this industry, I've got to do it. Right. And I've got to do it and, and do it to what I know that I need to do. And it was in me to write, but because I knew it was going to be painful, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to do it. And it's like, you know what, you just got to face it. And so once I faced it and I started doing it, doors started opening like you would not believe. Doors just started opening and opening. You know, that CSI writer, he was like, you know, here's my agent. Call them. You know, uh, here's some people to meet. Um, let them tell them I sent you. What? And from that time, I started meeting executives. I ally. Started meeting what I always say, you got to you know? get an ally. Thank you. And, uh, and it started happening for me for there. Right. And I was also, at that point in my life, I was also on my year of yes. yes. Um, just say yes to everything. Did I hear that? <laughs> and um, I had a friend who was a uh, motion picture director. Mm-hmm. And his assistant, motion picture director. oh well, motion picture, <laughs> a film, a movie director. He directed, he directed movies. He directed the cinema, and he was in the cinema. <laughs> he was a, directed the celluloid that was up on the screen. Right. Um, and uh, and he and his assistant was going to um, his assistant was going on vacation. Now at the time, I was kind of working post. Um, I had I had developed my own sort of small post company. Uh, and so I was making good money. Of course, I didn't want to do no post. Didn't mm-hmm. want to ever be in no post. And I was not going to stay in no post. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't need to go be his assistant for two weeks. I was like, be his ass- answer phones? When I got money in the bank, I'll need this. Uh-huh. And it's like, but I was on my year, yes. Right. So I was like, yes, I will do it. So I worked for him for two weeks. And while I was there, um, I'm cleaning out his email box, <laughs> right? And I'm cleaning out his spam box. <laughs> and in the spam folder of his email was an email for an agent meet and greet. <laughs> All right. And I'm reading this. I'm like, and I need an agent. I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm. Um, it was $75. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, well, if this is a scam, $75 is not a lot to lose right. for right. the scam. Right. right. I'm like, all right, so let me, I'm gonna do it. So I did it. And while I'm there, you know, I'm asking these agents questions and I'm cracking jokes. And I'm trying to get them to notice me so mm-hmm. that I can send them my specs. Um, and then afterwards, the lady who or- organized this came up to me. She was like, you know, I think you can do comedy. And I'm like, no, lady, I'm drama. I'm doing drama. That's what I want to do is mm-hmm. drama. OK, so then she gave another one of these things. And, um, and I went and I did the same thing. I'm cracking jokes. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get these agents to notice me so they'll, they'll take on my specs. Um, and they'll take me on and they'll read my specs. And um, at the end, this lady comes up to me and she's like, you know, I really think 
you know, you say that you're drama, but I think you can probably do comedy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I have a class and I, I kind of want you to come take the white? class. Is she white or black? She's white. Okay. And um, and I was like, no, lady, I do drama. <laughs> okay, but then as I'm walking out, I'm like, my okay, yes. ding, 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 ding. My year of yes. Um, I was on a comedy year, show. <laughs> my year of yes. Right. And also, destiny, free will. I'm making the free will to not choose what she says. And this is probably going to come around like it did the first right. time. I went to the Asian meet and greet. I said, no. The, another one came around. I went to it again. I'm saying no. I'm like, you know what? I'm chasing these agents and she's chasing me. Maybe right. I should turn around and let her catch me. Mm-hmm. And that became my manager. Her name is Cherie Guitar. She's my Cherie. manager to, to this day. She did the exact same thing to me. Oh, she Oh, really? Exact same thing. Yeah. I, we, we will talk. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> she's, she's Kelly's manager. Yeah, it's Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelly Griffin. Yeah. Uh, Cherie Guitar is mm-hmm. my manager. It's now been um, 15 years that wow. she's my manager. Okay. I will never, ever, ever leave Cherie. Okay. She, you know, when you're a writer in this business, you know, people, they, there are managers and then there are agents. Um, and of course, you only want to have one because you don't want to have to pay 10% twice. <laughs> um, yeah. But you need someone to believe in you. Hopefully, that's an agent. Right. But if it's not an agent, you know, get a manager mm-hmm. because that one person who believes in you will push and push and push and push for you um, like nobody's business. And that's what you need in order to get on the top of the pack and be read. And Cherie's a former writer producer. She knows how to write. Yeah. So she mm-hmm. can tell you some And she can shit. tell you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what she mm-hmm. did, even though, you know, over the years I've had agents, mm-hmm. you know, but she was always the one that was sort of leading the charge. Right. You know, now I'm fortunate to be with a good agency, mm-hmm. Verve, where they're also doing the same thing. So right. it's like now I'm getting, you know, double bang for my buck right. and covering the town very well, right. you know, because they work whoa, 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 as a nice, like, whoa, little whoa, 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 powerful whoa, 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 team Where am I 10%? <laughs> Right. <laughs> where where my pen okay. is <laughs> Well, I mean, look, you know, like I, I, the thing I say a lot is about agents. Because um, when I started in this business, like agents actually had some sense of trying to help develop a career and right. like be able to give constructive notes and stuff like that. But I think in the last 10 years, agents are just closers. So all, that's all. That's certainly what they've know, been moving. Th- th- that's more all towards. they kind of move to, and that means that you. It hurts because because that means that you almost you're obliged to have a manager and an agent unless mm-hmm. you're some top top person. Um, but you know the right agent will close the deal for you and get the terms you want, so that you're really really fucking happy. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, because that's that's their job. Right. It's kind of like I'm thinking about this now. It's like. They're Alec Baldwin in 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 Gun, Gun, Gun Ross, <laughs> right. and and you know what? And and you want that person to go fuck you. This watch costs more than your car. Like, <laughs> 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 like you want that person, you know, like like in your corner to get what you need, you know, because mm-hmm. um, you because know, you want that like, at that point, you mm-hmm. know. But a lot of times now, particularly because the industry is different now, because because it seems that, that what you're saying that you got in at a time when. When people could write specs and get in, you know. Mm-hmm. Now everyone wants you to write your damn original and everything like that. And you kind of yeah. need someone uh, who believes in you mm-hmm. and to look at your material 
And if it's not quite there, yeah, and give you constructive criticism, feedback, yeah. and they're not going to judge you like, oh, I got to drop this person because I made right. a mistake. Yep. Exactly, right. and not you a know? lot. And and I don't get me wrong, there are definitely agents out there that do that. Oh, so I'm saying, but, 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 yeah. but they're you know, but they're they are hard to find. Um, just because uh, the way of the business, you know, in an agent's world, they need to have so many clients in order to um, in order to stay afloat. So an agent might have something like 60 clients or something like that, whereas a manager might have 20 or 25. But then a manager can also, um, once that client becomes big enough to then have their own show, that manager could come on as a producer Correct. and sort of help with producer duties where, you know, <clears throat> is where their pot of gold is. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, so it's a little different like that. But anyway, so, I'm, you know, so I was like, okay, it was my year of yes. So I'm like, I'm turning around. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to her class. And I'm in the comedy class. And um, and she's like, yeah, I think I could get you into a comedy. Um, I need you to start writing comedy specs. I'm like, God, but I'm not funny. I don't have jokes. <laughs> but, you know, she was just like, don't worry. Just start. I'm going to show you, you know, what to do mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And comedy rooms don't work like you think they work, mm-hmm. you know. And so it was a whole sort of learning experience on that. It was just like sort of pushing me forward. And uh, and yeah, so I wrote my comedy specs, and then what do you know? In 2015, I got my first gig, and right. that was uh, two years. I think it was maybe about two and a half years after she signed me. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, unfortunately, which is what the after, managers do. They will stick with you for a minute. Yeah. The agent, if you don't work in a year, they're like, well, you know, yeah, exactly. This isn't working. This isn't well, working you know, out for us. Out so right. we're going to. Yeah. We think yeah. we should exactly. separate ties. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, you don't think so, but we think so. So we're going to separate ties. Thank you and goodbye. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's uh, that's that's definitely what they do. Um, and, but yeah, the manager or my manager, but some managers, you know, are the same way. But mm-hmm. like I said, it is you have to find that person who believes in you because right. there are agents. Who do that, and you know, and I'd be remiss to say to not say that there that there are, right. um, but um, but in my experience, you know, the managers do tend to take a little more time with a client and help develop a client if they really believe in them. Yeah, know? yeah, well, yeah, that's that's exactly right because the manager potentially has mm-hmm. more to gain in a sense. He can, mm-hmm. you know, he could produce your show, he could produce the movie. I mean, David Alper. Mm-hmm. You know, is making big money because he's a producer on right. Walking Dead, but mm-hmm. he's the guy, one of the guys who created Circle of Confusion. Right. Uh, and well, that's, I, I turned them down years ago. I'm like, that's just, you know, I was like, Circle of Confusion. That's just what happens. <laughs> but, but, but you're right. The agent thing is, you know, like, I mean, I think th- they probably have quarterly meetings. But they definitely have annual meetings oh, yeah. where they go over to client list and go, "Who's made me money? Mm-hmm. Who's talked to me enough this year that they even have they even have projects that potentially make me money?" And if you're throwing out projects that don't, you know, they're like, "We can't do anything with," or you don't even right. talk to them or give them updates, whatever it is, let them know that you're trying to do it. They're like, "You know what? You get brushed." Yep. Yep. <laughs> you get so let me. Yep. So let's start to wrap this up. But let me just ask you this question. So. You, what was that first show you got? What was that? Uh, it was called Thick and Thin, okay. but it never aired, so you, <laughs> no one will ever hear right. anything about it. Uh, you Did might. You, do you have copies of it for your own personal collection? No, I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been on a couple of different shows. So I, I wanna, have. I just want to throw them out and then get to NCIS Records. Uh, sure, sure. Um, yeah, so the, how did you get from the comedy to now working? That's what okay. I'm about to get into. Well, right. well, okay. So 
that at that particular time, comedy was basically dying or dead. I mean, <laughs> dead or dying, you know. So um, after that gig, I proceeded to do just a whole another whole lot of nothing because at the time it was like the rise of reality and the death of comedy. Right. You mm. could not find a, a show, a, a, you know, a comedy on TV to save your life. The only one that was left was like Girlfriends. Right. You know, um, and yep. there was a gig available on Girlfriends, a gig that I didn't get, and mm. I was just like crushed. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it was really seriously the, like the last comedy in town. Right. Um, so I wanted to work. So at that point, I'm dusting off my... my, uh, my CSI. My, exactly. I'm dusting off my drama specs. And uh, and I'm giving you know giving the dramas uh, another go, yeah. um, and it just so happened that um, I knew a showrunner from who I had been introduced to another showrunner from uh, from a friend of mine who that person had worked for. Her name was Nancy Miller, mm-hmm. and um, and Nancy was Saving Grace, Saving Grace, and Nancy was developing a show, Saving Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was sort of in the pilot stage and, um, and she needed an assistant. Mm -hmm. Now I've been a writer, you know, and usually when you cross that threshold to become a writer, you you know, you most right, write, you don't want to go back to being an assistant. Mm -hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. I was hungry, right? So um, I was like, "Sure, she," because she asked me. Let me just like, say this: There's also a difference between being an assistant and being an assistant to the showrunner, who's True. working on a pilot that True. is probably going to go. Right. Well, <laughs> probably that, at the time there w- it was a big question mark. Right. You know. Um. But uh. But but yeah. You know. So I, I would like I said I was hungry. Right. And she goes, you know, Talisha, look, I know you want to write. Um, and I know you've been a writer before, but all I really have for you available is an assistant if you want to come and be my assistant. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was an assistant for her for that um, for the pilot period. During that time, they ended up getting Holly Hunter, mm-hmm. which was like, oh, my God, Holly Hunter. Um, and then they did the pilot and then, you know, the show came down the pike and at the time. This was now 2007. Mm-hmm. Um she didn't know that there was money available for uh, diversity for, for, for diversity, mm-hmm. you know, writers and whatnot, you know, because she ended up hiring her staff mm-hmm. and she came to me. She's like, I know you want to be a writer, um, but we don't have enough money in our budget to bring on another staff writer right now. But I'd really love to keep you in as an assistant. And I was like, well, what if I could become a writer and be free for you? <laughs> What if I knew a way to become a writer and it wouldn't cost you a dime? Mm-hmm. And she was like, hmm, an extra writer on my staff? Tell me more. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was like, ding, 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 ding. So it was 20th Century Fox. And I knew that 20th Century Fox had just started their program. And my right. manager knew that. You know, because my manager, you know, she knew the whole oh, yeah. game around town, who was offering, mm-hmm. you know, positions and who, who wasn't. So... Um, so when, once uh, Nancy connected with 20th Century Fox and found out that she could do that, um, you know, she ended up bringing me on as you know that diversity hire. But now, and a lot of people, uh, you know, they sort of d- down the diversity hires, and and it's unfortunate that they do because yes. really, uh, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I mean, that's a, that's unfortunate because mind. let me turn this. Is there? Is there no. <laughs> He's so caught up Look, in the story. He's like, just leaning on it. Though. I was just saying, it's very interesting. Look, I'm like my my motto is get in where you fit in right. and worry about it later. You know what I'm saying? So um, this this was definitely a big break for me. And my thing is is. You know, so being you there for the whole time. I was not there for the whole time. I was okay. there for the first two years, right. and uh, and then there were some complications that happened, being the double whammy of the strike and right. the recession. Right. So yeah. once the strike happened, and then the recession happened, um, studios were shrinking budgets. Right. And you know, and once that happens, what's the first thing you do? Um, you cut off the lower level yep. people because supposedly you don't need them. Now that's very short term thinking right. because then in six or seven years, those people who were staff writers and story editors, now you need them to be uh, young level co EPs right. that can work for a co EP that can work a co EP job mm-hmm. at a reasonable price, and you don't have them, right. and you don't have those people there to create your new shows. Yep. And so, I mean, there's been sort of a, a dearth. You know, of certain positions in Hollywood, you know, and over the last few years, because oh, the, it's the sort imp- of impact of the strike. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay, the so, impact so, of the strike so in the recession. Here's something that I think is interesting about your situation and the diversity thing, and about people being being hard on that and things like that. You came in and you worked with Nancy as an assistant, so she knew the value of you during that whole process of. Preparing the pilot, taking the pilot, mm-hmm. she recognized everything, and you had written and stuff like that. So she wasn't like saying it's a different situation, and I think that's really interesting because then, because then when you turn around and said to her, "You can hire me for free," she didn't see that as like I gotta get a you know I gotta get a black writer or a female writer so I don't get fucking shamed. It's like now I can get someone who I know I can trust. To oh, come yeah. be, and I'll just pay for it, not to pay for them. Right. Because what happens with, with other people who don't have it that way, who didn't know the showrunner through the pilot situation, and they come on through the, the, uh, uh, the diversity thing, everyone doesn't even really know if they can write. Even the showrunner doesn't know if they can write. They're just mm-hmm. like, well, I got to take this person. But Nancy obviously was like, well, you can write or not, but I trust you because you helped mm-hmm. me to get the pilot on the air. Right. And that's mm-hmm. and ultimately, when you come in as a young writer, they need to trust you so much because they're like giving you that big opportunity. Right. And and a lot of times, people mess up. They, yeah, and, true. And, and and they fail that true that trust thing. That's, that's very true. Yeah. But I'd like to point out that non-diversity staff writers. Fuck up to oh all the <laughs> time so all the time like no no no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, so it's not like you know this is this is a position where people are getting a pass because it's not right you know it's it's to help sort of shoehorn in opportunity that should have been there in the first the place. Does, I'm I'm not disagreeing with your point. The, the point I'm making is that what happens to a lot of to a lot of diversity writers is they come in in that way and because they fuck up because it's just you're young it doesn't matter if you're black or white or whatever right. you fuck up the diversity hire that stamp on you now becomes a major albatross because it's because because I met so many writers who've come in and the diversity writer and they can't get a job the next time and even if they like performed well and didn't mess up mm-hmm. they still have that stigma as you came in and we gave you a pass to come in 
and and the, and the showrunner is not going to have their back right. necessarily, mm-hmm. um, which I think is very disappointing about those you know like those diversity programs. True, um, but I, you know that is all I, that that's also dependent upon who the showrunner is. Yeah. True, because I'm going to give you know Nancy Millett all the credit in the oh, world. She's dope. She, you know, her first show, or not her first show, but one of her shows, you know, any day now, mm-hmm. you know, of course, was about sort of black girl and a white girl who my grew mother up loved together. that show. Yeah, my mother loved it too. <sighs> who, uh, who grew up together, you know, in Mississippi, and you know, in sort of their present day, uh, the past day and present day sort of situations, um, and she hired. Um, her staff was probably the most diverse in television at, at that, that time. time. Mm-hmm. And when she did that, I mean, she's even said in other interviews, you know, I've read in interviews of, where she says showrunners should be hiring more diverse. Yeah. And she, and, and she was like, you know, when I did that, I was, she was like, I, I, Oh my God, why not do that? Right. Because they're bringing in stories that I've never heard before. And it makes my show better. Right. She you. said, and she said, from that point on, every show that she's had, right. she has to have a diverse room and um, and uh, uh, a diverse production team because it makes her show better. Mm-hmm. And that is true. So if you're one of those showrunners who believes, who truly believes in the value of having a diverse staff, never mind the diversity writer. I mean, having a diverse staff, having, you know, having women, having, you know, Latinos, having Asians, having, you know, black people, having gay people, you know, um, if you truly believe in the value of a diverse staff, then you know you can get a diversity writer that will mess up, and it won't be any big deal because it was just you realize it's just that person. Right. I can still get another. I can right. get another one and give another one a chance. You know, um, but then not only that, but your your entire staff is going to be diverse. So yeah. I was diversity higher on Saving Grace, but I certainly wasn't the only woman on that staff. Mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't the only black person on that staff. You know, I just happened to be the person who was given given a leg in the door. Right. Right. You know, right. right. Um, because this person believes in the value of all stories at the table. Right. Right. You know? And yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's I think the big difference because there's a lot of shows that I, you hear about a lot where they don't necessarily believe in the diversity thing. True. They just and, get in their free rider. And they get the free rider and then they're and, and then they, they abuse it. And, and they, they don't yeah, mention that person. They absolutely right. abuse it. And, and the they problem go, okay, with that next is, year I'm gonna get someone exactly. new. Exactly. And then new. that's and then unfortunately that's what ends up happening to those young a lot of times that's what ends up happening to those young writers because those no those staff writers right. I mean those pardon me, those showrunners are kind of abusing that position because they'll get their free staff writer for twenty weeks and then they'll kick into the curve and get another staff writer for 20 weeks because it's free, right. you know, um, whereas, and, and the, the, the programs have changed over the years where the programs will actually pay more now, will pay a year or two years. But, the, but in the beginning, back during those days, when you have a writer for 20 weeks, which is the first half of a season, mm-hmm. which is the first 13 and then the back nine, the impl- there's, there's a lot of talk in Hollywood that happens that doesn't happen face to face meaning mm-hmm. the talk Tell it. the talk in Hollywood how you get labeled and why no one will hire you is if you were in a diversity program on a show with a jerk showrunner who didn't want to hire you for the back nine yeah. d- due to nothing you did and let you go after 20 weeks 
the stigma you then have right. is that you are not, you did something wrong, did something wrong and the whole you're not thing. a good writer. Right. That's the that's whole point I'm bringing up the about stig- that. Exactly. So that's the stigma that you have because then when the next time when someone looks at your resume, they they were like, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. That was a show that lasted 23 episodes and yet you were only on for 13 Hmm, I know what that says. Right. And you're the Next. diversity hire? Oh, uh, well, you know yeah. what? You're the diversity right. hire? Yeah, exactly. So, mm, so because, because they're assuming, number one, they always tell us as, as a staff writer, they're like, you know, you should be the first one there and the last one to leave. If somebody doesn't want to do research with them, you should be the one doing it. Mm-hmm. You need to find that little superpower in the room or you can do whatever, yada, yada, yada. Absolutely. So, so that's saying even if you did all that shit, doesn't make a fucking difference. Exactly. exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, too, You know, showrunners, when they're hiring, I mean, it is fast and furious. You know, the showrunners, you know, depending on where, what agency package the show, you know, the agency might be throwing writers your way, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which can come with the package that, you know, I'm not quite certain um, of all the details in a package. But, you know, so if you're coming from a different um, agency, it's going to be hard to get on that showrunner's desk. So, you know, for a showrunner to then look at your script and then do all this due diligence on you and actually call the, the last showrunner and say, Hey, how was this person Mm -hmm. to work for? It's work. Why? It's it's work. (laughs) It's work that they don't want to have to do because, you know, they are human beings Mm -hmm. and they want to go home to their families and see their kids. So if they're looking at your resume and your resume tells a story, they're like, are on to the next one. That's right. the narrative. That's the narrative that gets believed, and 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 there's no reason to dig deeper in because you said no time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, and it's sad. That and that's when you need the super manager. That's right. when you need the superhero with the um oh, with, I see with the cape yeah, yeah, on yeah, their yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you need knocking down doors. Exactly. The read, superhero read, manager read, who can then don't. say, you know, who can then who who will take the assistant out for right. lunch right. for free lunch. And if you're an assistant and you're working, you know, for a showrunner, anybody, mm-hmm. and somebody offers you a free lunch, you're taking it. You're going. You're going. Right. All right. And then that super manager says, Hey, can you put my person to the top of the pile? By the way, I know that their resume says 13 weeks on a, on a 40 week show or mm-hmm. 20 weeks on a 40 week show, 13 episodes on a 22 episode show. But here's a story behind that. So then, you know, so then when that's the assistant goes back and puts your script on top of the pile and the resume on top of the pile and the showrunner's looking at it and they say, oh, they were only 20 weeks on it. They can say, oh, well, you know, it was because it's so-and-so's room right. and so-and-so they know. changed, they know. They talk. Change, uh, right. you know, right. change writers. Right. Oh, yeah. They, they absolutely know and right. they absolutely talk. But, right. um, you know, but it, to, to have a manager or an agent who is your advocate? Who can go clean up the messes? Right. You know, sort of your messes. You, you know, because I kind of made a mess one time. <laughs> it was for it was over the uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers program. I, I did. I made a mess. I made a. I made a. You know. I made a. Ooh, look at that mess. Um, <laughs> it, it, the Warner Brothers program. Uh, I had written. You know, my CSI or whatnot, mm. and uh, pl- applied to the Warner Brothers program, and um, and I became a semifinalist or a finalist or something like that. But I didn't get it. Right. Okay, and uh, the person who was over the program at the time was like, "Yo, call me, um, and we can set up a time to talk, and I can tell you what the things to improve. Okay. You know, on your on your script." Mm-hmm. And you know, and your presentation, so that you'll do better. So I was like, "Oh, great!" So I called her, and I left a message. And it was a week; nothing happened. So I <laughs> called her again, left a message. 
it was three days and mm-hmm. nothing happened. So I called again, <laughs> left a message. It was another week. Nothing happened. Are y'all hearing this? And so then I called again, like a week later, and she picks up the phone and she says, don't call me ever again. Click. Wow. It's like, but, but, oh, but you said. What did I do? What did I do? I was just trying to do the right thing. So, yes, I was lucky enough to have my manager. I mean, after that happened, my manager, who was then talking to the Warner Brothers program about me, they were like, oh, that girl? She did this? She called me a million times. And I had to tell them not call. There's an eight-day rule. You got to do the eight-day rule. What's the eight-day rule? You call people and you got to wait eight days before you call them back. Oh yeah, I see. I didn't hear that rule. I had never heard that rule. Every you know, and so, uh, and so my manager goes. She goes and she goes talks to the person. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, Talisha. She's a young writer. She didn't know, but that's why I'm here now, right. so I can do the dance. La 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 la. How about I take you out to lunch? La la la. la. Now we clean up that right. mess. Now, um, why don't you think about her exactly for the shows? Right. right. Exactly right. So NCIS. So, yeah, we got to get New Orleans out. really, really quick. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so After Saving Grace was uh, NYC 22, mm-hmm. um, and that was a show that was about rookies in um, in Harlem with right. the uh, um, uh, uh, with the um, um, oh my God, why was, am I blanking? That was a CBS name? show too. Wasn't it, it was a CBS show, and the head writer was um, Richard. Oh my God, please cut this out. Um, okay. That I'm blanking on <laughs> his one, name. I just want to know what the show was. So uh, you, you uh, yeah, scoot, so it was about rookies in uh, New York City. Right. It was great because they sent me to New York to live there so I could be in the room. Um, then after NYC22 was Ironside. Mm. Um, and after Ironside was... I'm sorry? Yeah. With Blair Underwood? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. The new Ironside with Blair Underwood, who is a wonderful, fantastic mm-hmm. human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that was um, Switched at Birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that was The Originals. Um, and then after The Originals is yeah, NCIS. Vampires. Is that Richard Price? Orleans. Richard Price. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yes. NYC 22 with the esteemed, oh, yeah, the esteemed yeah. writer yes. Richard Price, right. which was yeah. wonderful to learn under his tutelage. That's what's up. So shout out to Paul Gio, our Paul Gio of Gio Storm. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that coincidence? I know that's a great coincidence. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So how you, you having fun on the show? You love? Oh my show? god, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm working with uh, I'm working on an incredible staff, mm-hmm. and I'm working with two incredible showrunners, uh, Brad Kern and Chris Silber, mm-hmm. who are wonderful, fantastic. I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about them. Um, and uh, and they are two people who also believe in you know bringing young writers up, you know, sort of through the ranks. Right. Um, you know, bringing up the assistants to right. become yeah. sort of staff writers. You know, and and giving out scripts to the script coordinator and what? the, the writer coordinator. Assist- oh yeah, the script coordinator, the wow. writer's assistant. What's that story um, about the about the Blade Runner whiskey that was <laughs> <It's> just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that shall stay in my mind. Um, um, yeah. So, and and they've been, you know, sort of really great and really supportive in um, the new writers on the staff, sort of learning. Is this your first show. year? Too? This is my first year okay. on on the series. 
Um, and I'm having a ball. I'm having a blast. Um, and, you know, and the best part about being a producer on a series like this is you get to go produce your episode. Yes. In New Orleans. In New and Orleans. This, you know, this comes back to all that post Woo-hoo! you did. Yes. Oh, yes. You don't have to learn all this. I don't. They can I don't, send you to uh, the right, set. Right, you know how right, to do this, right? Right, right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little different from what I was doing. I was just doing tags, which, you know, involved Tag tonight team. at 7 p.m. Friends. <laughs> you know, that's all I did was tags right. pretty much. Um, uh, but this is, I mean, but it's been incredible because, you know, you go down to the set, the production team is wonderful, very wa- mm-hmm. welcoming. The cast is, you know, is really great. Right. Um, they're all just like top notch people. And they get to write for the goat. Yeah, exa- okay. Oh, yeah. You I know. see her. <laughs> CCH. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. Madam Pounder. Yes. And she, man, she, just, she makes you feel like a celebrity when you get down there because she'd be like, she'll come over to you be like, um, hey, honey. Um, you mind if I get a selfie with you? I'm like, with me? You want to get a selfie with me? Ah! Um, oh my God, yes. So, I, and it it was a lot of fun. I mean, and I'm sorry, but you know, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans, with a, a city of less than four hundred thousand people, you at least tell her really quickly your little story. Look, look. They was down there doing a girl's trip. I was, I was, oh, so I, I did hear yes. a little bit of that on uh, yes. on Geo Storms episode. Yes. That's right. It was fun. <laughs> And like I said, I was at the hotel, looked outside, I'm like, oh, the Scott Bakula. Oh, they did. Paul, y'all cheap. Where you at? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was awesome, though, because it's like they had the people there. And the thing about New Orleans is, I don't know, New Orleans, they've been so much like it's. Having a TV show just being produced, right? So people mind their business. They, 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 they put they like, putting okay, the money back in the damn city. Four hundred thousand people, right. something like that. How many? That's small of a city? Maybe really? five hundred thousand people. Listen, I was, I was ducking and diving like from relatives. Like I was going around with a hand grenade and ducking down in my lift. Like, don't go down this street. <laughs> I did see one of my cousins. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's definitely a small town, but you know what? It stays turnt. I oh mean, just stays turnt for no you know, reason. For no reason. For no reason. Reason. Oh, for no reason. That's the I reason mean, why. It just two, it three weeks. No State, three not? weeks before two, two weeks before Halloween, they have a Halloween. I mean, their second favorite holiday, b- besides Mardi Gras, is mm-hmm. Halloween. Right. And you will go down there during the Halloween uh, time. Everybody's got decorations on the door. I'm like, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like naughty Christmas. Naughty you know, Christmas. I mean, down Hello. there, it's 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 crazy, and they stay <clears throat> turned. Up. I mean, they, they you know, they give something. New York a run for their money when they say, mm-hmm. you know, the city that never sleeps. I don't know. I mean, for a city as small as New Orleans, I'm like, I think the title should belong to them. Right. I got three words. You already know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why they call it the the beginning of the Caribbean. Exactly. You know, this one of those places because it does. I mean, if you've never been to New Orleans, it does. Especially politics and stuff, it reminds me a lot of like if you want to start your trip in the Caribbean, you're gonna start New Orleans and then work your way down to wherever you're going. It's one of my Saint favorite Kitts. cities. Oh, yeah. I love Barbados. it. Oh yeah, I love it. It's well, an old y'all. city, ancient. It's awesome. Well, thank mm-hmm. y'all. Awesome. Thank you, Talisha. Well, we thank appreciate you for having, having me. Lisa, Chris. Chris y'all know how we do it on the rant room. Shit. So, uh, where you at, Lisa? Lisa Colt Jail. Well, you all know I'm always on Twitter. I'm a Twitter fiend. <laughs> You'll find me in the hashtag uh, Saturday Night Sci-Fi or whenever uh, Graveyard Shift Sister has her Friday Night Horror, um, bitch flicks, write film critic, you know, film reviews for them. Um, I'm trying to think. There's something else. Oh, has nothing to do with TV or film, <laughs> but I just want to shout this out. Hey, y'all, Thanksgiving is coming up. Bevmo. Is gonna be open. She fixed the sale. <laughs> what? I so when we y'all gonna be, listen? Listen. <laughs> when you are binging on your shows, get them get those sales on your drink for your Netflix <laughs> for your Hulu. I'm just trying to be a, a public service announcement. 
Bevmo, right. hook me up. I'm just saying, get ready to watch some great shows. And also, I'm looking forward to seeing Dewanda. Yes. Oh, she she's might be back gotta next have week. it. She might come back on. The so show y'all make sure y'all watch coming out mm. Thanksgiving. So yeah. she's gotta have it. Support Dewanda Wise. That's my girl. Yeah, gotta see the climb. You didn't see the climb. Oh, you gotta yeah. see the climb. Yes, it's on. Hey, yeah, let's shout that out right now. Everybody, go to Amazon. Check out the climb. That's our girl, Diara Kilpatrick's new show. Yes, she wrote it. She created. It. She stars wow. in it. I saw she the pictures. I saw some pictures. Nice. Go, bitch. Mm-hmm. Go. Yes. Nice. Where you very, at, Chris? Very good. So <clears throat> I am on Twitter and Instagram. Primarily on Instagram because. I'm told I'm not on Twitter enough by certain Neither individuals. Neither am I. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but I'm also, like I said before, uh, there's the new theme set up for setboxcinema.net. Um, on Twitter, I am at um, unauthorized CBD. Same with an Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I am. Cool. Where you be? Where you at, Talisha? Mm-hmm. Um, Sister I girl. Am on, I, I, you know, I don't use Instagram like everybody else does, mm-hmm. but I am on it. You know, you will find like maybe three pictures uh, in my Instagram account. Um, but I'm on Twitter probably a little more, okay. um, and that's at Raggedy with two R's and two G's. So R R A G G E D Y Raggedy, both uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's a Spanish R. Raggedy, <laughs> Raggedy, <laughs> Raggedy. Yeah. So thank y'all for joining us. We appreciate it. Y'all see some of y'all. We got y'all out there. Oh yeah, I forgot the taping. Hey, watch. This is our first time. We're just trying to go live and see how it works. If the shit works, we might do it every once in a while. Me and Chris sitting here trying our best. Like, don't 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 get used to it, y'all. We ain't gonna do it every week. Thank God. Thank God. I didn't shave and shit. I mean, come on. I know. I didn't wear earrings. I didn't put my earrings. I didn't. I would have had my Universal Fan Con T-shirt on, but you know, it's all right. I would have worn my Superman T-shirt. You ain't wearing no ascot. Come on now. Come on now. So y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter. You guys can follow the show, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Did I say Twitter? I did. And then email, yada, yada, yada. I can't even think straight. Um, Let's see what else is going on. What else is going on? A lot of good shit. A lot of good shit. Back again, writing again. Shit is good. Um, Got a couple new projects about to work on. So that's good. Got the kids in here. We got some shit going on. I see y'all bitches. Um, <laughs> uh, join in with me, everybody. Oh, go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Please follow us on Facebook. For those of you guys who are watching right now, we do have a Facebook page. Get your clothes ready for Black Panther. Yes. Your church clothes. <laughs> she said everybody going to be dressed Get up. Get your hair appointments. <laughs> Get your nails and toes Get good. your shit lined up. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Look. So everybody join in, join in with us for Wakanda. We know how it goes. So on this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Peace, y'all. Ciao. Peace. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.